0: Man, week three is the final week of monsters. And just to encourage you, these last three weeks have not been pointing out the fact that you guys are monsters or that I'm a monster. That's not been the goal of these last three weeks. In fact, one thing we've been focused on these last three weeks is what are some characteristics of monsters that we sometimes have in ourselves? What's some of my, what's, what are some of the ideas, some of the, the, the just the mindsets that some monsters have? You know, we started with Frankenstein. How many guys are here for Frankenstein? Awesome. Week one. Man, he he was hurting people in search for himself. So it was a night based off who am I. It was a night based off identity. And we focused, man, I am a child of God. That's who I am. And if I'm going to go anywhere to find out who I am and where I came from, I'm going to my creator. Amen? That was week one. Week two, last week, was vampires. Who was here last week? Come on. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Man, vampires kill with their mouth. And we focused on the fact that our mouths have power. When God made you, he gave you hands to feel, to grab, to move, to push. He gave you feet to move forward. He gave you eyes to see. He gave you ears to hear. And he gave you a mouth to speak things into into existence and to empower people and to lift people up. Amen? So that was last week. Tonight is zombies. Zombies. See, here's the thing about zombies. Zombies were once alive. Amen? They're once alive. Can I have Shelby come up? Shelby, can you come Can you guys make some noise for this amazing zombie real quick? Come on. You can do better than that. Make some noise for this amazing zombie. Stand up what, next to me. If you're on the podcast, there's a zombie, a live zombie next to me. That's for you. Zombies were once. I mean, make like a weird face. Ready? One, two, three, go. There we go. Zombies were once alive, but, but they died. And, and for some specific reason, I mean, the origin of zombies, what they used to do, they used to flip people, when they buried them, they flipped them on their backs, facing the ground. So if it became a zombie, they would only dig deeper into the ground. That's literally the myth of zombies, that, that zombies will actually just burst out of the grave, and, and they were once dead, but now they're alive, but they have no soul and they're working, and they're moving. I mean, come on, give me like the, the zombie arms. Come on, there we go. Come on, this is Halloween Horror Nights on a Friday, y'all. Yo. You already know what it is. Thank you so much. Can you guys make some noise Shelby? Yes. I had to bring one up. I was like, I gotta bring one up. So the idea is that they were once alive, but now they're dead. Although they are dead, now they're up again. They're moving. They're walking. They're breathing but they're still dead. Translation, you're moving, you're walking, you're going to work, you're going to the gym, you're going to church, you are alive and well, but you're actually dead. And the crazy thing about a Christian zombie or a church zombie is that they actually do exist. They actually do exist. And I want to read to you just... A little portion of scripture it's found in your New Testament. It's the book of Philippians. So the, the writer of this book is Paul. And Paul's in a really jacked up situation. Uh, he's in a real tight moment of his life. And from this moment is where he's writing this book, the book of Philippians. It's a letter to the church of Philippi, which is a church that he started. He went on a missionary trip, and he began planting churches, planting churches. So what he started to do is write letters to these churches. So this whole book in the Bible, Philippians, is the letter to the church. I mean, if you start reading it, you'll see, you know, his introduction, the prelude, and then the foreshadowing. It's really good. So as he's writing, I want you to understand the context of this. He's in a place that is not a pretty good space. I mean, he literally talks about death, and he's excited about death. Because he knows, hear me, he knows that because God is inside of him, he knows because Jesus is in him, he knows that because his faith is in Jesus, when he passes away, come on, he's going to see a beautiful heaven. Anybody believing in heaven? Anybody believing in just like the gates of heaven? Who's ready for their mansion? Come on, somebody. Who's ready? I can't wait to go to heaven. Woo! So that's the place he's in. He's in a place... Well, he's literally looking at death, and he's not afraid. He's saying, listen, I'm not scared of death. To die is gain. I mean, this is what it says. I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be boastful for Christ. And as I have been in the past. Next verse. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. So if I'm reading, I'm like, dude, he's going through some crazy stuff. He's like contemplating death he's contemplating like not fighting for his life like if someone came to rob him they'd be like hey man just do it man come on just do it i'm at the lowest place right now just take me straight to come on send me straight to god i'm ready take me so if you're reading this you're like man there's something going on this idea of life and death verse 21 he says for to me living means living for christ and dying Woo! that's even better but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Whenever you see the word "but," if you ever stuttered, stuttered if you ever studied literature, but" means there's a transition in the thought. I was doing this but this happened. I was living like this but Jesus. I was talking like this but Jesus. I was walking like this but Jesus. But this happened, but that happened. Whenever you see but in the Bible, it's a transition moment. It's when an idea was broken and a new idea rose up. It's when something in your mind was headed one way and a revelation of God came over you and it changes. So man, his first that first verse, I can agree, man, sometimes to die is probably better. Considering that I have heaven waiting for me, I have my God waiting for me, my Savior waiting for me. I don't know if you lost any loved ones. Come on, you got loved ones waiting on you. You got Jesus waiting on you. You got a mansion waiting on you. Sometimes in this life, in this world, death is not such a bad thing. Especially if you believe in Jesus, because you know you got a place in heaven. So this is what Paul is dealing with. And out of nowhere, he says, "But." If I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know what's just better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Christian, who will go crazy? they heard the news that you passed away? What areas would lose hope if they got the news that you weren't going to be at work anymore? What environments are you in every single day, every week of your life, and if God forbid the news comes in that you are not, no longer in this earth in this realm how is that environment going to suffer because the only life-giving person believing in Jesus isn't entering that space anymore I mean like if you were gone who would know, who would notice like man there's no more smiles here anymore there's no more faith in the room anymore So what he's saying is he said, listen maybe death is a good option because I know God has something for me. But if I stay alive, my life is more fruitful. If I stay alive, man, I can actually reach people in every second of my life. If I'm still alive and I got this gospel message, I can walk and change people every day until I get on that deathbed. I can reach an empty hell every moment that I'm breathing. He changes his mind. Probably at the point of death he's writing this. Because you only contemplate death when it's around the corner. Amen? So he's going through this, and he's like, man. Here's my quote from this. He's saying, dying is better for me, and living is better for you. Let's understand that tonight. Christian, sometimes, and I don't want to be too morbid, but man, we, we pray for God to do so much. And we believe for him to do so much. And we have faith he will do it. And sometimes we can get that zombie bone in our body to say just kill me now and just take me and escape me from this but I want you to catch the revelation that Paul caught he said listen dying is better for me but I'm not living for myself dying is better for me but my life isn't get saved at the altar Lord kill me one second later my life isn't come to church repent to God and a second later kill me before I sin again that's not the message of the Bible it's to go into all the world and make disciples and spread the good news. So he said, he's come up with the conclusion. Listen, dying is better for me. That's so selfish. But if I live, woo, it's better for you. Because I got this message in my bones. I got this message in my body. And there's the truth. There's, that, there's that, just that big equation going on. Here's the truth, Christian. We're serving an eternal God while living in a dying world. And that's, a, that's something that, that pulls on your heart. I mean, like you know God has all the riches. You know he has, come on, he's God, king of all, and we're still broke sometimes. Come on, we know he has so much peace and so much grace, but sometimes we're in a little corner like, God, where is this peace? And we get caught up. In the eternal God, and we get caught up in our dying world. And this begins to bring, bring a divide between you and the people that God wants you to reach. When you start pointing at the gap between how good he is and how bad it is down here. Come on, talking about a God that can supply your every need, but you're living on four for fours. Talking about the God that can actually, come on, he's so magnificent, he's so amazing. And, and sometimes you're like, man, I, I don't know if death is the right thing to pray anymore. Just to escape me out of that situation. Just to say, God, just come while I'm in church. Wouldn't that be awesome, rapture happen in church? Lord, just happen while I'm worshiping. Can you just take me while I'm in your arms? Can you just take me while Pastor John is preaching? Can you just take me while Leah is worshiping? Can you just take me now, Lord? I look great. Lord, call me to heaven now because I feel amazing. I'm not sinning right now. Can you take me, Lord. Completely disregarding the verse that says seven times a righteous man falls and seven times a righteous man stands back up. That mentality means, God, I don't want you to catch me slipping. But that verse translated in 2018 is slip and you can stand up again. Slip and you can stand up again. Slip and you can stand up again. again." It's that battle between serving an eternal God and living in a dying world. or we're caught up with this idea that, man, maybe... Heaven is the only place I can be really happy. As if God doesn't want to make you happy down here and give you joy down here and give you purpose down here and wipe your tears down here. If I to have a conversation with Paul. You know what my conversation would be? I'd be like, hey, hey, Paul, you don't have to die to be dead. And I think he would agree. I mean, most of the things he writes, if you read Paul's writings, it's like, man, he, he's always talking about people just coming to life. I mean, Christians just literally opening their eyes and and approaching just evangelism in a different way and approaching, come on, Gentiles in a different way. Literally, I, I can agree with this. You don't have to die to be that Christian. You do not have to die physically to not be alive. How does that make sense? Listen, you don't have to break up with a girl to not be in a relationship. That makes more sense. Just because I have the label of taken doesn't mean I'm treated her and myself like I'm taken. There's a way. You can be in a relationship and not in a relationship. Just because there's a ring on your finger, there could be no relationship. And God wants to work on marriages, y'all. And he's waiting to flip the world upside down when it comes to marriage. You don't have to be broken up with a girl to already be broken up. I'm not there with my heart. I'm not there. I was playing basketball the other week. You don't have to quit in the game to quit. You just got to stop caring about the game. And I'm telling you, that, bro, why are you playing, bro? You're not even going for the out of bounds. Go for the ball, bro. Man, I'm tired, man. I'd rather you quit because you're playing like you already quitted. Christian, you don't have to die to be dead. You don't have to die to be dead. And it's funny, when you go to the hospital, this is how they determine if someone's alive or not. You know what they do? They check their heartbeat. They check their heartbeat. How do I know if I'm alive? How do I know if I'm serving God and I'm living for God and I'm actually not a zombie? Man, if God puts his ear to your heart, what is it saying to him? If God places his ears on your heart, is it saying the broken, the hurting, the lost, my family? Or is it saying me, myself, and I, my future, my interests, my hobbies, what I want to do, what I need? Because if I put my ear to your heart and it says something other than what Jesus is doing, I think you're walking in the wrong direction. Zombies are selfish. Zombies are selfish. Zombies have no humble veins, no humble bones in their body. I mean, nothing about a zombie is humble. Zombies are selfish. See, I I like putting humility and and selfishness in opposite ends of the spectrum. Because when you are humble, when you when you're humble, see the real place of humility is is not focusing on yourself, but focusing on others around you. And the real, the real core of selfishness is literally thinking only of yourself, thinking on how you feel, thinking about why you have the right and why you have to fight for that right. So you have two ends of the spectrum. Hear me, y'all. We're talking about monsters. So we're in this realm. And when you're in this realm, you're not thinking of yourself, but you're thinking about other people. And when you're in this realm of selfishness, you begin to only think. I mean, like, I consider you a zombie if all you think, talk, and act for is yourself. You're a zombie. Why? Because Jesus didn't call us to focus on ourselves. The day you raised your hand and said yes to Jesus, the day you bowed your knee and said, God, I give you everything, I surrender. Come on. Lay was probably singing, I surrender. I surrender. And the very next day, it's like, "How do I feel right now, God? What do you want to do with me?" Instead of God, where do you want me to serve people? Where can I take this gospel message and just say it to the world? Yeah. Zombies are selfish, and here is a quote that I didn't come for me, but I want to. I want to preach this tonight. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself when you are here and you are thinking that you suck that you are nothing, that there's less of you, you're actually over here. You're actually selfish. When you believe, I mean, like, this is the pity party person, right? There's like, man that I suck, I'm just so bad, oh my God, I'm just nothing. I'm just nothing. You're, you're crawling towards selfishness. But listen, true humility isn't saying that I suck. Come on, it's saying, I'm not even going to talk about myself. Why are we still talking about me? Let's talk about you. It doesn't stay on me too long. The conversation isn't around me, me, me. It's about you, you, you. Humility is the opposite of selfishness. And what's crazy is that when Paul's writing about dead things and living things, when Paul is writing about the change in his life where he said, man, it's better to die, but that's for me. That's selfish. I'm going to live in the suffering. I'm going to live in the pain. I'm going to live in the struggle. I'm going to live in the hurt for other people. What's amazing is that the very next chapter that he writes that is what we're going to read. This is chapter 2. This is the very next chapter in the same letter. And this is what it says. He says, don't be selfish. So he says, I want to die, and dying is better for me, and living is better for other people. And if you keep reading the same letter, he tells the church, don't be selfish. Let's continue to read. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow Every, every, every knee in heaven and on earth, under the earth, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. When I live a selfish life, I live opposite to who Jesus is. When I, when I literally live a selfish life with no humility, I'm literally li- living opposite to who Jesus is. That's a zombie. That's a zombie. You're walking and you're declaring that Jesus But you're really only talking about yourself. And Jesus is looking at you like, bro, when is it not about you? You know what I did? I gave myself for people who didn't deserve it. I washed my feet, the feet of my disciples. I, I, I I took an L. I mean, I took all your L's. And all you're doing is talking about yourself. You need to grow up. That's not how I did it. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was never about me, but all about my mission. It's never about me. It's all about who I'm trying to reach. Jesus wasn't called a good friend. He was called the friend of sinners. They always attach him to people. The children, the children love him. The sick, they run to him. Those who cannot see. I mean, like there's a, there's a story in the Bible. These dudes, they they break a hole in the roof and they drop their friend in. Like Jesus was attracted to whole, to, to broken people. Because he didn't live for himself. You wonder why you don't have any friends? You wonder why no one wants to open up to you? It's because whenever they start the conversation, it's just all about you. And I said, man, I want to talk to someone who can just talk to me and not all be about them. Man, I I have no life-giving relationships. Like, I just have, I suck at that. Okay, just start talking about other people. Last week, open your mouth and focus on other people. Just for just a moment. Take take them to pause about what you have to say and listen to what other people have to say. Zombies are selfish. Zombies are walking for everything they want to do. And the truth is, is that when I live a selfish life, I'm living a life opposite to who Jesus is. Zombies are selfish. Number two, zombies are moving nowhere. They're moving nowhere. How does that make sense? How can you move and be nowhere? I got a perfect example. Who's ever, who's ever played Marco Polo before? Hey Amen. Two people. I was like, I don't know, Marco. Who? <laughs> I don't take history class. Marco Polo. It's a game in the pool. Anybody played Marco Polo before? There we go. I thought y'all were here. I was just wondering moving nowhere I mean this is how you play you close your eyes and, and if there's a good if it's a good group they surround you and it's just Marco, Polo, Marco, Polo and what's funny is that you can be moving I mean like your legs are moving your arms are moving I'll just fix that mic your legs are moving your arms are moving going all around. I'm so ADD it's not even funny. you're moving and you open your eyes and you're still in the same spot. You're moving out. I mean, like, Marco. Polo, Marco. And you're like, I'm in the same spot. Man, has that ever happened to you? You're going to work. You're going to church. You're going to here. You're going there. You're going to the gym. You're going to other places. You're trying to work, 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 work. Like that Rihanna song. You're trying to work, work, work. And you open your eyes and you're in the same spot you was six months ago. God, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. He said, you're living for yourself. You're a zombie just moving with the waves and moving. Man, you probably followed the waves into this church. You probably followed the wave into this church. And this is a moment where God's going to say, listen, now it's time to follow me for real. Now it's time to open your eyes and see where I can lead you. Stop leading the voice of man. Stop following the voice of others and follow me. It's time to start moving in the right direction. I love this. Zombies are attracted to sound. You seen those movies? Everyone's creeping. I watched World War Z the other day, crazy. Tom Cruise says something crazy. You know the scene that he's with the, the, the Hispanic family? And the stubborn Dominican dad don't want to leave, you know that part? I know that dude, that's like probably my uncle. He said, listen, we gotta go. He's like, no, 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 we stay here. He looks at him, he says, no, movement." How do you say movement is life? Movimiento es vida. You guys like that? Practice that all week. Young Adult Spanish service coming soon. Says movement is life. Movement is life. This movement is life. And I love that transition of movement being living. And not following Jesus, you could be moving and moving nowhere. And what's funny is they leave. They can't make a sound. I mean, like, they're super quiet because once they hear a sound, zombies come running. Once they hear a sound, zombies come running. You know why they come running? Because they're in search for something. They are in search for something that they do not have. You know how I know there's zombies that are Christians? When something, oh, this is going on over there. Oh, we're going to drive two hours. Let's do it. I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. God needs to speak to me. Oh, wait, there's a conference? Let's go. Come on, 30 of us. Let's go. I need to hear from God. Oh, wait, wait. Who, what church? Wait, wait, wait. You are planted in a church. God is speaking to you right here. And there's a thing called the Bible. Listen, God's not talking because the Bible's closed. God is speaking when your Bible is open. And this is what he writes. Paul, I mean, you could be living, breathing, and moving, and you can actually be dead. You can actually be a zombie. He says this in verse 25. He says, knowing this, all right, so there's that transition. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow. Keep this verse up and enjoy your faith. Grow and experience the joy of your faith. So he says, I'm going to stay alive. For what? Why why, why, why am I going to stay alive? I'm going to remain alive so that I can help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. That's powerful. God, what's my purpose? To help others grow and to talk about the joy of your faith and lead others into the joy of your faith. Amen? I could preach that all night right there. What's my job, God? What do you want me to do for the remainder of 2017? God's like, Paul said it. If you're alive and you got breath in your lungs, who is growing because of you? Who is loving God more because of you? Who is literally finding the joy of their faith? Who is rekindling their relationship with me because of you? Because if you're not moving and if you're not leading and if you're not helping people grow, You're just moving with no purpose. Verse 26 says this. When I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. In other words, this is what he says. I am convinced I will remain alive so that I can help others grow. I'm convinced. I'm convinced the reason I have breath in my lungs it's so I can help others and lead others. Let's, let's break that down even, even, even smaller. That's why I'm here to help lead, to help, to lead, and to grow. That's why I'm here. It's to help, to lead, and to grow. Y'all taking notes tonight? Come on, that's a great note. Why am I here tonight? I'm here in this world to help. Alawalo. To lead yo, prayer night was crazy on Monday. My goodness. Kevin did a talk on baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues. And you made you just cleared the you cleared the air. It was crazy. I love you, Kevin. Monday was awesome. 80-something young adults came out. We prayed for two hours. Literally. Some of us spoke in tongues for the first time and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amazing. But listen, just like Monday's moment, it's, it's supposed to do something in your life. This whole church thing isn't to come and feel good. It's to take this gospel message and let it ooze out into the people that surrounding you. It's all about taking this encouraging message of Jesus and taking it to every corner and every circle of influence that you are in today. How many of you guys are in college? Like, weekly in college, like, taking classes? Like, all right, that's like half of us. It's like half of us. What if next week I saw your whole class here? Anybody anybody taking mythology? Six people? Bring your professor next week. We're going to talk about the Bible. Here's the thing. We're trying to follow God, but we're getting taught so much, like. Jesus isn't real. He split my book in half, the history book. He split it in half. Just send him the podcast link. Bible's legit. See, we have areas of influence. We have circles of influence. Hear me. I'm wrapping this up. We have areas of influence, circles that God can actually speak to people. God, where do you want me to go? What's your purpose for my life? And you're literally around people who don't know Jesus, who don't know the story of Jesus and how he has died for them, and he paid the price. Listen, one thing I know, this is the best way for me to spread the gospel. This gospel message of grace is too good to be true. Can I tell you something that's too good to be true? What? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there's grace waiting for you at the altar.
1: No matter who you are.
0: I don't care what she done. You see, this dude Paul writing all this, the, the, the dude Paul, he was a Christian killer. He was a modern-day terrorist. And, man, this is what he continues to write. Verse 29, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Yeah, that's Paul. Used to be Saul of Tarsus. We spoke about him a couple weeks ago. Saul of Tarsus was not the person you want to evangelize to. It's a dude named Ananias the Believer. You guys remember this this talk? Ananias the Believer. Literally, that's his only position in the Bible. He was just Ananias the Believer. He opened up his mouth one day, and God called him to speak to, to Saul of Tarsus. God had a new name for him, called him Paul. He got saved, and now he is starting churches. He's planting churches. He's writing letters. Hear me. And this is what comes out of his mouth. Let me give you some context, because here's the thing. You might be in here tonight saying, man, that sounds awesome. Man, I want to bring people to Jesus. Man, I want to walk with my head up, my eyes open, and reach all those around me. But guess what? I'm suffering. Maybe that's you tonight. I'm suffering. I'm stuck. I can't do anything. Here's the thing I want to tell you about Paul. When Paul is writing the book of Philippians, I don't know if you knew this, but the book of Philippians is a prison epistle. What is that? This is a book that was formed out of his letter to the church of Philippi, but guess what? He writes this letter with chains on. This is somewhere in his two year prison sentence in Rome. He's in prison. And he's writing a letter. I mean, like, you ever gotten a letter from someone from, from jail? That's what, the, that's what he's writing. He's in jail. He's in shackles. Solitary confinement. Have you ever seen movies or seen shows, he's in the hole. And he's writing. Man, I think dying is pretty good. I got nothing to my name. It's because I'm loving Jesus that I'm in here in the first place. Man, Christian, is that you? Man, I only had these problems when I started going to church. Man, this, this issue is only rising up because I believe in Jesus. And that's Paul. He said, listen, I have the privilege of struggling and suffering. I get to do this. I don't have to struggle. I get to struggle. I get to do this. I don't have to play the piano. I get to play the piano. I don't have to be a Christian. I get to. So he's writing this in a place of bondage, in a place of suffering. Literally, somewhere in the two years of prison, he's writing this letter. Man, I I, I don't know. I'm struggling. But man, we're in this struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past. And you know that I am still in the midst of it. God, I'm only going to serve you when I'm out of this struggle. That's unbiblical. God, I'm only going to serve you when everything's right in my life. God, I'm going to start following you, and I'm going to do student leadership when I stop sinning. This happens to people who don't know the story of grace. i gotta, I got to stop smoking before I come on church. Come in smelling like smoke. There's a guy that loves you. He's going to meet you down here. And if you need, you need to take a smoke break, take a smoke break in the middle of worship. We'll see you back here. Add more haste to the room. Anybody believe in the scandalous grace of God? I need to fix myself before I get to Christ, that's not biblical. Come as you are, come as you are. Let's struggle together. Here's the thing, I just know how to hide mine better than you. Maybe mine is not in your degree, but there's something, there's a pressure. Everybody pinch yourself on three, ready? One, two, three, ow. That's called flesh. Your flesh wants nothing to do with Jesus, but your spirit wants everything to do with God. Your flesh wants nothing to do with here, and your spirit wants everything to do with here right now. Your flesh wants nothing to do with worship, but your spirit wants everything to do with just crying out. So if you have flesh, if you're alive in this world, there's a pressure. There's a struggle. But, man, I hope we, I hope we catch this, and I'm done. I hope we catch this on our way out. Maybe it's hit you on your way home. Maybe is hit you tomorrow or Tuesday. But, man, let this be the story of your life. As long as I am alive, dead things will rise. As long as I'm alive, woo, dead things are coming alive. As long as I'm alive, worship team, come up, I'm ready to dance. As long as I'm alive, I got breath in my lungs. I'm not going to walk in the area of selfishness. I'm going to walk to the area of humility. As long as I'm alive, dead things will rise. As long as I'm alive, come on, eyes will begin to see Jesus for who he really is. Paul says, lead people to the joy of your faith, not the depression of your faith. To the joy of your faith, not the hurting of your faith. Lead others to the joy of your faith, not the stressed out of your faith. Lead others to the joy of your faith. Listen, when people see you, do they see a life-giving Christian who's ready to open their mouth and empower them? Do they see a Frankenstein? Or do they see someone who understands that they're a child of God? Do they see a vampire just sucking the life out of them? Or do they see someone using their tool, using their mouth to speak life in every atmosphere? When people see you, do they see a zombie just walking around, making a mess with nowhere to go, super selfish? Or do they see someone who's willing? To speak and to love and to help and to lead. Every every head bow in this house.